Chapter Two, Part Two of the Many-Sided Franklin by Paul Lester Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Two, Physique, Theories, and Appetites, Part Two. Franklin began life equally temperate in the use of liquor. He set so good an example to his beer-drinking fellow journeymen in London that they christened him the Water American, and poor Richard has many a wise saw and maxim inculcating the evil of wine-bibbing. Yet here again it seems to have been more a matter of prudence than of preference. At the time he adopted vegetarianism, the lad wrote an essay for the New England Courant on the vice of drunkenness the better to reclaim the good fellows who usually pay the devotions of the evening to bacchus but his disapproval was not extreme for the sage of sixteen maintained quote, i doubt not but moderate drinking has been improved for the diffusion of knowledge among the ingenious part of mankind who want the talent of a ready utterance in order to discover the conceptions of their minds in an entertaining and intelligible manner tis true drinking does not improve our faculties but it enables us to use them and therefore i conclude that much study and experience and a little liquor are of absolute necessity for some tempers in order to make them accomplished orators so too he seems never to have been a total abstainer when only nineteen years of age he discussed a business matter at a tavern over the madeira and in time developed a decided predilection for this particular wine a taste reproved by a feminine friend who wrote to him when he was suffering from one of his attacks of the gout Quote, i own i thought you much indisposed when i saw you in craven street and i allow that i was conceited enough to think i could have prescribed better things than madeira and curacao not that i am an enemy to either in a healthy state or in some diseases but you appeared to me to have at the time you took them too much on your stomach of the nature of sour to take any more without being more injured than benefited though taken with your usual moderation to his friend strahan franklin laughingly confessed you will say my advice smells of madeira you are right this foolish letter is mere chit-chat between ourselves over the second bottle elsewhere in speaking of finding some flies in a bottle of madeira which revived after months of imprisonment he expressed the wish if it were possible quote, to invent a method of embalming drowned persons in such a manner that they may be recalled to life at any period however distant for having a very ardent desire to see and observe the state of america a hundred years hence i should prefer to any ordinary death the being immersed in a cask of madeira wine with a few friends till that time to be then recalled to life by the solar warmth of my dear country nor was this particular beverage the only one for which franklin showed a liking as time wore on the poor richard who advised his readers to drink water put money in your pocket and leave the dry bellyache in the punch bowl apparently recanted for he printed in his almanac the following doggerel boy bring a bowl of china here fill it with water cool and clear decanter with jamaica ripe and spoon of silver clean and bright sugar twice fined in pieces cut knife sieve and glass in order put bring forth the fragrant fruit and then we're happy till the clock strikes ten 
franklin speaks of himself on one occasion as put in a good humor by a glass or two of champagne and presumably it was in another such moment when he composed the drinking song printed in facsimile to a french abbe and intimate he wrote late in life quote, my christian brother be kind and benevolent like god and do not spoil his good work he made wine to gladden the heart of men do not therefore when at table you see your neighbor pour wine into his glass be eager to mingle water with it why would you drown truth do not then offer water except to children tis a mistaken piece of politeness and often very inconvenient i give you this hint as a man of the world and i will finish as i began like a good christian in making a religious observation of high importance taken from the holy scriptures i mean that the apostle paul counseled timothy very seriously to put wine into his water for the sake of his health but that not one of the apostles or holy fathers ever recommended putting water into wine no one knew better than franklin the results of undue eating and drinking but as he made madame gout say of himself quote, you philosophers are sages in your maxims and fools in your conduct End quote. referring to an illness he said but as this speedy recovery is as i am fully persuaded owing to the extreme abstemiousness i have observed for some days past at home i am not without apprehension that being to dine abroad this day to-morrow and next day i may inadvertently bring it on again at another time he took note of a week's diet and health and he chronicles that after dining at dolly's a famous london chop-house he felt symptoms of cold fullness dinner the day following brought on a cold in which he takes some pride because he had predicted it still continuing to eat he the next morning recalls that he had a very bad night and a little soreness of throat this induced him to diet even to the foregoing of his dinner and he ends his record with the words had a good night am better another illness he blames to his having eaten a hearty supper much cheese and drank a good deal of champagne yet again he dined and drank rather too freely at madame darcy's with a resulting little pain in my great toe this lessening of his early austerity as to food and drink led in time to a corpulence over which franklin joked not a little in seventeen fifty seven he described himself to a friend as a fat old fellow in the craven street gazette he styles himself dr fatsides refers in the same sheet to the great person so called from his enormous size and explains a non-attendance at church by the fact that the great person's broad-built bulk lay so long abed that it was too late to dress his increase of flesh as he here suggested brought with it a physical indolence as early as seventeen forty nine franklin confesses to a little natural indolence and in speaking of a business matter which called for a journey he wrote i am grown almost too lazy to undertake it fifteen years later apropos of an intended visit he told a friend i love ease more than ever and by daily using your horses i can be of service to you and them by preventing their growing too fat and becoming restive he was not his only accuser in this respect john adams in seventeen seventy eight said of him quote, franklin loves his ease 
hates to offend and seldom gives any opinion till obliged to do it but if he is left here alone even with such a secretary and all maritime and commercial as well as political affairs and money matters are left in his hands i am persuaded that france and america will both have reason to repent it he is not only so indolent that business will be neglected but you know that although he has as determined a soul as any man yet it is his constant policy never to say yes or no decidedly but when he cannot avoid it in this opinion apparently franklin joined for he told a friend i find the various employments of merchant banker judge of admiralty consul etc etc besides my ministerial functions too multifarious and too heavy for my old shoulders and have therefore requested congress that i may be relieved for in this point i agree even with my enemies that another may easily be found who can better execute them franklin himself believed that he had become intellectually idle for my own part he says everything of difficult discussion and that requires close attention of mind and an application of long continuance grows rather irksome to me and where there is not some absolute necessity for it as in the settlement of accounts or the like i am apt to indulge the indolence usually attending age in postponing such business from time to time though continually resolving to do it at first franklin combated his tendency to physical ease by forcing himself to take exercise dr fatsides made four hundred and sixty-nine turns in his dining-room he chronicled in the craven street gazette and that this was habitual is implied by an entry in john adams diary where it is recorded that quote, dr franklin upon my saying the other day that i fancied he did not exercise so much as he was wont answered yes i walk a league every day in my chamber i walk quick and for an hour so that i go a league i make a point of religion of it End quote even so late as seventeen seventy one his sister in writing to mrs franklin said quote, we shall neither of us now attain to what my brother writes me of himself that he has lately walked ten miles without resting and is in fine health which i am sure you and i join in blessing god for End quote. about the same date too franklin wrote his son concerning the dumbbell Quote, by the use of it i have in forty swings quickened my pulse from sixty to one hundred beats in a minute counted by a second watch and i suppose the warmth generally increases with the quickness of the pulse if franklin did not live according to poor richard's maxims he at least illustrated some of them be temperate in wine in eating girls and sloth or the gout will seize you and plague you both his almanac for seventeen thirty four warned its patrons as early as seventeen forty nine the disease was upon him but in a mild form and he was quickly able to tell his mother that quote, my leg which you inquire after is now quite well end quote. from this time during the next twenty years he had once in two or three years a slight fit of the gout which generally terminated in a week or ten days these attacks like his first were not serious and in seventeen sixty eight he wrote his wife i have had but one touch of the gout and that a light one since i left you it was just after my arrival here so that this is the fourth winter i have been free a year later he reiterated this saying i am now and have been all this winter in very good health thanks to god i only once felt a little admonition as if a fit of the gout would attack me but it did not 
In 1770 he did not fare so well. As to myself, he said, I had, from Christmas till Easter, a disagreeable giddiness hanging about me, which, however, did not hinder me from being about and doing business. In the Easter holidays, being at a friend's house in the country, I was taken with a sore throat, and came home half-strangled. From Monday till Friday I could swallow nothing but barley water and the like. On Friday came on a fit of the gout, from which I had been free five years. Immediately the inflammation and swelling in my throat disappeared, my foot swelled greatly, and I was confined about three weeks, since which I am perfectly well, the giddiness and every other disagreeable symptom have quite left me. Again, in 1772, he explained his lack of news because, quote, being gouty of late, seldom going into the city, end quote. Evidently, the ailment was still of a mild form, for he told Mrs. Franklin, quote, I thank you for your advice about putting back a fit of the gout. I shall never attempt such a thing. Indeed, I have not much occasion to complain of the gout, having had but two slight fits since I last came to England, end quote. Upon his return to America in 1775, Franklin noted that, quote, I immediately entered the Congress, where, and with the Committee of Safety, I sat a great part of that year and the next ten or twelve hours a day without exercise, end quote. This served to bring on another attack, which is of special interest because of its relation to a bigger event. As is well known, Franklin was appointed one of the committee to prepare a Declaration of Independence on June 10th, yet eleven days later he wrote, quote, I am recovering from a severe fit of gout, so that I know little of what has passed there in Congress, except that a Declaration of Independence is preparing, end quote. Sent to Canada a little later in this same year, the travel and exposure so told upon him that he, quote, sat down to write to a few friends by the way of farewell, for I begin to apprehend that I have undertaken a fatigue that at my time of life may prove too much for me. I find I grow daily more feeble. Some symptoms of the gout now appear, which makes me think my indisposition has been a smothered fit of that disorder, which my constitution wanted strength to form completely. He himself believed that he owed his life to the care given him by his traveling companion, John Carroll, a Catholic priest, and how he later rewarded the kindness is told elsewhere. Late in 1776, Franklin sailed for Europe as commissioner to the court of France, and scarcely had he entered upon his duties when his chronic malady came upon him. One of his fellow commissioners was forced to apologize to the French Foreign Office because, quote, the treaty with the farmers general has been retarded on account of Dr. Franklin's illness, end quote. And Franklin cautioned a correspondence, Quote, don't be proud of this long letter, a fit of the gout which has confined me five days and made me refuse to receive company, has given me a little time to trifle. End quote. In 1779, another seizure further interfered with his diplomatic duties. Quote, a severe fit of the gout with too much business at the same time necessary to be done, he gives as his difficulties, but says elsewhere, I don't complain much, even of the gout, which has harassed me, because they say that is not so much a disease as a remedy. And he jokingly ends, There seems, however, some incongruity in a plenipotentiary who can neither stand nor go. End quote. 
from this time franklin's gout seriously interfered with his ministerial duties in going to court in seventeen eighty he records in his diary that he was quote, much fatigued by the going twice up and down the palace stairs from the tenderness of my feet and weakness of my knees therefore did not go the rounds end quote. and a year later he noted quote, went to court and performed the round of levies though with much pain and difficulty through the tenderness and feebleness of my feet and knees end quote. another twelve months forced him to apologize quote, for not having paid my devoirs at versailles because since my last severe fit of the gout my legs have continued so weak that i am hardly able to keep pace with the ministers who walk fast especially in going up and down stairs end quote. From that time he was always represented at court by his grandson. Franklin's treatment of his gout was decidedly original. Quote, I forgot to acquaint you, he told his friend Dr. Small, that I had treated it, my gout, a little cavalierly in its last two accesses. Finding one night that my foot gave me more pain after it was covered warm in bed, I put it out of bed naked, and perceiving it easier, I let it remain longer than I at first designed, and at length fell asleep, leaving it there till morning. The pain did not return, and I grew well. Next winter, having a second attack, I repeated the experiment, not with such immediate success in diminishing the gout, but constantly with the effect of rendering it less painful, so that it permitted me to sleep every night i should mention that it was my son who gave me the first intimation of this practice he being in the old opinion that the gout was to be drawn out by transpiration and having heard me say that perspiration was carried on more copiously when the body was naked than when clothed he put his foot out of bed to increase that discharge and found ease by it which he thought a confirmation of the doctrine but this method requires to be confirmed by more experiments before one can conscientiously recommend it. End quote. If the gout was Franklin's chronic disorder, it by no means saved him from other maladies of the flesh. In 1755, he wrote a relative, quote, I have been ill these eight days, confined to my room and bed most of the time, but am now getting better. End quote. Soon after his arrival in England in 1757, he was seized with an intermittent fever, quote, got from making experiments over stagnant waters, which continued to harass me by frequent relapses, end quote. No sooner was he well from this than, quote, I had a violent cold and something of a fever, and it was not long before I had another severe cold, which continued longer than the first, attended by great pain in my head, the top of which was very hot, and when the pain went off, very sore and tender. These fits of pain continued sometimes longer than at others, seldom less than twelve hours, and once thirty-six hours. I was now and then a little delirious, they cupped me on the back of the head, which seemed to ease me for the present." I took a great deal of bark, both in substance and infusion, and too soon, thinking myself well, I ventured out twice to do a little business and forward the service I am engaged in, and both times got fresh cold and fell down again. My good doctor, Fothergill, grew very angry with me for acting contrary to his cautions and directions, and obliged me to promise more observance for the future. 
i took so much bark in various ways that i began to abhor it i durst not take a vomit for fear of my head but at last i was seized one morning with the vomiting and purging the latter of which continued the greater part of the day and i believe was a kind of crisis to the distemper carrying it clear off for ever since i feel quite lightsome and am gathering strength so i hope my seasoning is over and that i shall enjoy better health during the rest of my stay in england clearly franklin had forgotten poor richard's admonition to be not sick too late nor well too soon as early as seventeen fifty five his eyesight was more or less affected and four years later he was wearing glasses for he could not find a woman friend at the oratorio in the foundling hospital though i looked with all the eyes i had not excepting even those i carried in my pocket in seventeen seventy six he complains that my eyes will now hardly serve me to write by night and from this time on he was compelled to use the double spectacles which he invented for his own benefit the upper half of the lens being curved for distant vision and the lower half for reading with his waxing flesh came a certain clumsiness of body which resulted in seventeen sixty three while on a journey in a bad fall from which he had barely recovered when he repeated the accident and put my shoulder out it is well reduced again but is still affected with constant though not very acute pain i am not yet able to travel rough roads and must lie by a while as i can neither hold reins nor whip with my right hand till it grows stronger if travel was responsible for this first mishap it served franklin in better part upon other occasions i wrote you that i have been very ill lately i am now nearly well again but feeble he chronicled in seventeen sixty six to-morrow i set out with my friend dr pringle now sir john on a journey to piermont where he goes to drink the waters but i hope more for the air and the exercise having been used as you know to have a journey once a year the want of which last year has i believe hurt me so that though i was not quite to say sick i was often ailing last winter and throughout the spring in this hope he was not disappointed for upon his return he informed a correspondent quote, i have only time to assure you that i have been extremely hearty and well ever since my return from france the complaints i had before i went on that tour being entirely dissipated and fresh strength and activity the effects of exercise and change of air have taken place End quote the beneficial results however were by no means lasting for very quickly he was quote, meditating a journey somewhere perhaps to bath or bristol as i begin to find a little giddiness in my head a token that i want the exercise i have yearly been accustomed to i was he records at this time sometimes vexed with an itching on the back which i observed particularly after eating freely of beef and sometimes after long confinement at writing with little exercise i have felt sudden pungent pains in the flesh of different parts of the body which i was told was scorbutic a journey used to free me of them my constitution he observed and too great confinement to business during the winter seemed to require the air and exercise of a long journey once a year which i have now practised for more than twenty years past End of chapter 2, part 2.